You are listening to a Natural Products Insider Podcast. With Rachel Adams, Managing Editor. Brought to you by Supply Side East, April 10th and 11th. Hello and welcome to the Healthy Insider Podcast. My name is Rachel Adams, I'm Managing Editor of Natural Products Insider. And today I have with me Stephanie Matucci, who is a Global Food Science Analyst at Mintel. Hi, Stephanie. How are you doing today? Great. How are you, Rachel? I am doing great. Um, I'm so happy to have you on the podcast today. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. So uh, Stephanie is going to be presenting during the Go Ahead Exchange 2018, uh, and she's going to be talking a little bit about the market for omega-3 fortified functional foods, uh, including some discussion on consumer trends that will influence uh, future product introductions and category innovation. Um, that The Go Ahead Exchange will take place February 6th to 8th in Seattle, Washington, and uh, I'm very excited to get to attend and listen to Stephanie's presentation along with a lot of other great insight. Um, And today we're going to be able to talk a little bit about Stephanie's presentation and some of the content that she'll be covering. So I'm excited to get into it. I think a good place to start is just looking at the market overall. So uh, Stephanie, can you tell us a little bit about the market for functional foods fortified with omega-3s in terms of activity and innovation and what's happening there? Just looking at the last five years um, between 2012 and, you know, today in 2017, approximately only 1% of global food and drink products have included the term omega-3s in the product description, and about a quarter of those products that have described the product as containing omega-3s has been fortified with either DHA or EPA. And, you know, we see a lot of products, you know, just talking about omega-3s, and those products typically, you know, we're finding them in the fish categories. Fish products make up about a third of those global fruit or drink products talking about omega-3s. In terms of products that contain uh, added DHA or EPA, a lot of times that's in the baby food category or in the dairy category. Yeah, that's so true. That's something that I've been noticing myself in the market. Um, a lot of milk products, um, yogurt products that actually call out DHA uh, on the label, which is something I feel like I haven't seen in the past as much as I see today. So what what's happening in terms of consumer trends? How are consumers impacting the market for omega-3 food products? Uh, in terms of consumer trends, I think that there's quite a few that we can look at that are going to positively impact the functional food market. One that I'm um, really watching and very interested in is the concept of personalized nutrition. Uh, Certainly that their lifestyle or their individual needs, whether that's, you know, a gluten-free diet or a different free-from diet, um, maybe vegan or vegetarian, perhaps for um, ethical reasons even. Uh, So we've seen these diet plans becoming more personalized in recent years. And the concept of personalized nutrition where, uh, not only are they tailored to what you uh, want to eat, but also what your body needs you to eat is starting to appear on the market. Um, products like Habit uh, in the U.S. or in uh, the U.K., they have DNA Fit, where they're using your actual DNA testing to determine uh, what type of foods are best suited for you. Um, so I think there's an opportunity there for functional foods to kind of play into that space as we start to 
unwrap and understand more about how um, our genetics play into our our need dietary needs. Right, absolutely. And this is something we've seen um, some interest and some some movement on just in the omega three industry side, as far as like the omega three index and some other organizations that are really uh, discussing the importance of understanding what an individual's omega three status is um, and why it's important. So. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how that plays into the personalized nutrition side of it as well. Absolutely. And, I'm, I'm, you know, right now we're kind of a long ways off before we'll be able to tailor, you know, products for that. And, you know, someone just goes to the store and takes something specific to their DNA. But, um, you know, before that becomes mainstream, I think product developers could also look to, you know, develop functional foods for specific needs and specific populations. Uh, you know, for example, the growing older population, there's um, increasing number of seniors, and products that are, you know, omega-3 certainly can fit into that when it comes to heart health or cognitive health or even reducing inflammation. Um, there's just a whole range of possibilities uh, for omega-3s for seniors. That hasn't been quite tapped into yet, I don't think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I know that you had mentioned uh, dairy as an area where you're seeing a lot of innovation in terms of omega-3 fortification, but I'm curious if there are any other categories of food products where you're seeing more interest in omega-3s. Um, mostly in the U.S., it, it, when it comes to fortified products, a lot of uh, dairy products, like I said, and a little bit in some snack bars, but not a whole lot. I did come across an interesting product example from um the line Nurture. It's under the organic Happy Mama uh, brand. They also have other products like Happy Baby and Happy Tots. Uh, and these products were specifically formulated with the nutritional needs for pregnant or nursing women. And they've been fortified with DHA um, and really calling out on pack that structural claim how it can benefit um, the health of, of the um, the baby while it's still developing. So I thought that was an interesting example where not only is it tailored to a specific need, something we talked about with that personalized nutrition, um, but also applying using those um, giving products for for moms who might not be sure if they're getting enough nutrients during that time. And and our research does show that um, you know while ninety one percent of you know pregnant or women who have recently been pregnant agree that they're knowledgeable about the nutritional needs, they still worry six and ten worry that they're not getting enough of the right foods. So certainly a product like that um, can help educate consumers about the benefits of them, of DHA um, as well as provide it for for a, a population that really needs it. Right. Absolutely. And I love that as we're having this conversation, um, you know, we're talking a lot about DHA specifically, DHA and EPA, which is um, where a lot of the benefits of omega-3s are attributed to DHA and EPA specifically. But in the past, I feel like there's there hasn't always been that distinction on labels, um, whereas products will just specify that they're fortified with omega-3s, but not always connecting those benefits to the DHA and EPA. So it's great that we're seeing that in like the products that you've mentioned. Uh, but I'm curious, can you explain a little bit how these nutrients are appearing on food labels, what you're seeing in the market for DHA and EPA specifically? Yeah, and in the U.S., there's some restriction in terms of the types of claims that can be made with regard to DHA and EPA. For example, um, they're not allowed to make, or brands aren't allowed to make um, nutrient content claims saying it's a good source of or it's rich in uh, omega-3 or DHA. They can do that for ALA, but not for EPA or DHA. Um, you know, what brands can do is they can talk about the structure or functional claims, so what it does um, in the body or how much it contains. Uh, so, so we see products describing it contains so many milligrams of DHA, for example. Um, 
So I think that does present some challenges for EPA and DHA to educate consumers on how much they should be eating, but certainly they can can still work within those frameworks and be able to provide consumers with information about what it does and increase interest that way. Um, and that's what we do see on some of these products they're talking about. You know, it's used for brain health a lot of times on, on products for babies or toddlers, but I, I do think there could be more opportunity to expand that to other demographics as well. Right. And so a little bit more on claims. Are you noticing any trends re- related to claims for omega-3s? Yeah, a lot of the, the claims we see on products fortified with uh, omega-3s are similar to what we see in other, you know, food and drink categories. A lot of claims supporting that trend of clean label, you know, GMO-free or organic, oftentimes low, no reduced allergen claims. But what I think is interesting, too, is the um, increase in vegan or vegetarian claims, not only in all food and drink products, but also in those fortified products. Um, certainly some recent examples like Fairlife, Super Kid Milk, uh, they have uh, and, and Ripple, for example, in Horizon, they're all using DHA from algae. So um, they're able to make those vegan or the vegetarian claims, um, which may be appealing to that growing group of either flexitarian consumers or, or vegetarian consumers. Right. That is really interesting, especially since, um, you know, there is quite a large presence of marine-derived omega-3s. So to see interest in the vegan and vegetarian side from the algae sources is pretty interesting. So uh, moving forward, what do you see as being the most impactful trends that will affect development and innovation in the category? Uh, clean label certainly is one that I think uh, not only for all food and drink products, but also for functional foods. You know, it's continuing to affect the way we develop products and innovate, um, you know, making sure that not only the products, ingredients on there consumers can understand, but also providing more information in terms of traceability and, and where it came from. We know savvy consumers are asking more questions about how their food is made and, and really wanting to understand kind of the whole supply chain of it. Um, so this increased demand for transparency, you know, not only is it increasing how we develop products, um, but also the detail of information. You know, it's not just enough to have information on pack, but for those interested consumers, providing that information about where the source of that algae, or I'm sorry, the source of that DHA came from. You know, is it from algae? Is it from fish sources? Some of these have to be required on pack um, to begin with. But, you know, that extra level of information about how it was made and why it was included, I think, can also build trust with consumers. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, as you mentioned, transparency and clean label are things that we're seeing uh, quite heavily all across the health and nutrition mm-hmm. sector. Um, and so it, it that is, yeah. that's so interesting that we're seeing it here, too. Um, but again, also not too surprising, as you said, since it is something so important to consumers nowadays. Exactly. And I think looking forward, um, you know, being more conscientious of um, ingredient purity, looking at pollution, how that affects uh, your ingredients and supply chain down the road, and, and being able to show consumers that the products and the ingredients used in those products are safe and free from any contaminants as well. Right, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Stephanie. I really appreciate you talking to us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. And I'm excited to hear your presentation at the GoEd Exchange. Great, I'm looking forward to seeing you all in Seattle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to today's podcast brought to you by Supply Side East. For additional podcasts featuring industry leaders and experts, visit naturalproductsinsider.com.